1: moment tonight is the night we'll fight till it's over you're listening to after hours with amy lawrence
2: Every time my grandmother says nothing good happens after 2 a.m., I remind her that our radio show is on after 2 a.m. In the East Coast, the West Coast, every other coast, so some good things happen after 2 a.m. You've me. I'm in 100% agreement. What?
0: You are the greatest broadcast sports journalist of all time.
1: Amy, you're the most best talk show radio on national radio broadcasting air networks you're the best
2: i appreciate that though i don't really need you to tell me good morning amy morning
1: i've been listening to you for the last few months every tuesday wednesday and thursday boom yes boom this is after hours with amy lawrence
2: to you if you're waking up on your Thursday? Ow! No, I don't know how you do it. Absolutely not. My husband is generally awake before 6 a.m. Eastern time and I don't know why. He says it takes him longer to wake up and get ready for work and here's what I say. Stay in bed an extra hour and then you might not be so tired when you wake up. (laughs) That's my philosophy. But he says he has to get up and drink his coffee and stare into space for a while until he's ready to go to work. Nope, I'd rather keep sleeping. In fact, we had a call scheduled with some family members on Wednesday afternoon. And originally, my plan was to wake up an hour beforehand, grab some coffee, walk the dog, maybe get outside a little bit, uh, start a little laundry, who knows what else, get some work done. Oh, no, I hit snooze a few times. And before you knew it, it was 10 minutes before the call. (laughs) That's me. It doesn't matter when the morning takes place. It only matters that it's first thing for me and I don't do well at it. So yeah, those of you who are morning people or if you're not, but you're forced to wake up, well, I'm feeling your pain. I'd rather work overnight than to get up at this hour of the morning. I won't call it ungodly because that's not fair. They're all godly hours, but (sighs) it's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, So as I was... Thinking about events from 1998 in my mind, I couldn't remember if Mark McGuire broke. Well, I can remember now. But at the time, I was thinking that McGuire was still with the A's and Sammy Sosa was with the Cubs. That's not the case. McGuire was with the Cardinals then and and Sosa was with the Cubs. So forgive me for saying they were in different leagues. At, earlier in their careers, they were in different leagues. Uh, but now recognizing that, I just want to correct it because McGuire was wearing a Cardinals uniform then Uh, So, sorry about that. Uh, Sometimes when I think back to events in history, uh, the details, they escape me. And so I appreciate your understanding and your grace on that point as I offer my apology. You all are answering uh, various questions. Well, you're answering the question with various moments or events in history that you wish you had been alive to witness either in person or on TV. And some of your answers... Yeah, they take me right back to those moments because I was alive to witness them. Uh, I remember a lot of, of what you're talking about, but then there's others that I just think, oh, man, I I wish that I had seen that one, too. Uh, so on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, and then uh, you can also give us a call if you like, 855-212-4227. That's 855 212 for CBS, uh, you may have seen by now the headline that the College Football Playoff Committee is now looking ahead to expanding the expansion. I won't tell you exactly how many times I've rolled my eyes over this, but I certainly have. And here's the part that makes me laugh. They just agreed on the format for a 12-team expansion. But in order to keep the buzz going... In order to satisfy those people who don't think 12 games is enough or who don't like the format, the automatic bids, blah, blah, blah. In order to keep the playoff front and center in the spotlight, dominating the center ring of the circus for as long as possible. Let's milk this as long as possible. Now they're floating the idea, discussing, debating, considering, mulling over the idea of a 14-team playoff. We haven't even gotten to 12 yet, but they're already working on 14. Uh Uh-huh. So anyways, that would start in 2026, according to the management committee. Now that's larger than the football playoff committee. And you're talking about different voices, different factions of the college football world. You may remember that when they first set up the college football playoff, there was, I think it was a 12-year contract. And over and over, we heard from them in the early stages of the contract. We're not expanding until this contract is done. We're sticking with four until this contract is done. But the lure of the money and the attention... The TV revenue was too big, and so they ended up caving, and even before the initial contract is done, they will have a 12-team playoff. But the actual contract itself doesn't run out until 2025. But here they are thinking about how we can expand past that contract, right? So if we want to sign a second contract, if we want to do it with – A bidding war among major media companies. Well, here's what we do. We generate this conversation. We start talking about how we can maximize. If 12 is successful, well, then let's expand it even more. I will say that when March Madness first expanded beyond the 64 teams, I was annoyed. I didn't like it. Dayton has become, I guess, an early wrinkle and I appreciate the fact now that you have teams that have to step on the court within hours of, of seeing their names on TV for the selection show. They have to step on the court. They have to be. Well, have to travel. Then they have to step on the court. They have to be ready. Very often, in fact, it's been more often than not since they added the date and wrinkle, that one of those teams ends up winning a game in the main bracket. Fine. it's legitimized itself. But for those of you who really remember, there was also conversation about doubling the number of teams in March Madness. Double. As in from 64 to 128. No. Like, no. We wouldn't even bother covering the early rounds because there's, it's impossible. No. It's it, it, too bloated, too much. There is such truth to the saying that too much of a good thing is too much. Everything in moderation, and that includes March Madness. There's only so much you can maximize there. My goodness, they already air on four networks, two of which some people hardly ever even look at. So there's, I think there's wisdom in limiting what you have, even if it's by no other principle than supply and demand. March Madness will continue to be an incredible commodity. It will continue to be this perfect three-week event for sports fans whether you're coming at it from a gambling perspective, whether you're coming at it from a fan, whether you have a team that's in the fight or you don't, we love it because it's a perfectly packaged event. It blows our socks off in the first four days in the main bracket where we go from 64, right? They've already done Dayton. We go from 64 down to 16 in the span of four days. It's phenomenal. And when you have a team in the fight that survives that first weekend, It's even more so. When I was at Syracuse, they went to the Final Four, and I remember for the better part of two, nearly three weeks, we did nothing but watch basketball (laughs) and talk about basketball. It was amazing. So when you have a team that's still standing to the Final Four, it's awesome. But even surviving that first weekend is incredible. To double it would have been too much. And I'm glad that college basketball... The, the commissioners, the powers that be, the NCAA, they decided to keep it in this perfectly packaged form. There is no need to change it. It is, I, I may mean, have used the word perfect more than once. It's perfecto. But it gives people what they want, but not too much. Where so many teams get in that the quality is watered down. And that's what I worry about with college football. 12 teams to me seems like too many. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I, I know that some people are kind of opposed to conference champions automatically getting a bid. Though if you're limiting it to the power four, thanks Pac-12, if you're limiting it to the power four and then the the highest ranked group of five teams, sometimes there isn't an even an undefeated school in that group of five. Those you would think would get in anyway. So I'm not opposed to those automatic bids. It needs to be the best 12 teams. But the farther you go down this road, the more you add, the more the quality will be watered down. How much, and I'd have to go back and look at the numbers and look at the actual matchups, but how much people can't stand it when there's a blowout in the national semifinals? Well, we and we've had a few. Again, I'd have to go back and look. A few come to mind off the cuff, but... No one wants to see a blowout. We want to see competitive games. That's the point. You want the best four teams, or in this case, the best 12 teams. Are you still going to love it, the expanded playoff format, if your team gets blown out in the first round? No, I believe there's going to be a very clear delineation between the teams that are championship worthy and the teams that are not. And I don't think it's 12 deep in college football. I know that... Upsets always happen. If they didn't, we wouldn't watch. It's one of the reasons we love college sports. And I think to a lesser extent, you can get that at the pro level. Certainly there are upsets that happen. But the deeper you go, meaning the farther down into the rankings or the, the, the quali- qualified teams, the more you add, the more watered down it gets and the less competitive the playoff gets. So I hope that people are happy. Well, people are never happy because if they're team's number 13, they're not going to be happy. They're going to want expansion. But I hope that those people who fought for the playoff are happy about it. I am reserving judgment because I worry that this is too many and that we've added too many and we're going to end up with a first round. I know that there are four teams that get buys, right? But we're going to end up with the first couple rounds maybe where it's not competitive at all. Here's an example. I do think the NFL has maybe expanded its playoffs too much. This supersized wildcard weekend, which this past, I guess it was last month. Oh, my gosh, it was just last month. <laughs> it was like a month ago, five weeks ago. It features featured two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, two games on Monday, right? Because the Bills game was postponed. Some of these games are not interesting. Some of these games are honestly boring, And blowouts. And I think that the seventh team from the AFC and the NFC is just too much. Now, I get it. The ratings are up. People are watching. It includes more fan bases. And the NFL loves it that you've still got three, four, sometimes five teams that are alive for that final wild card spot going into the last weekend of the regular season. Like, I understand all of that. It makes it more compelling all the way to the end. But let's be fair. Some of the supersized wild card weekend games have been <laughs> as in <coughs> <laughs> so I'm a worried that the NFL has expanded too much I don't I don't know that we need the 14 teams I think six in each conference was perfect but that's just me Ryan, what do you think
3: I know what you mean the Steelers are very boring that they usually always seem to sneak and get the seventh seed but Often, at the same yes. time you could have had a team like the Bills fall to the seven seed. And that in a way could be a good thing for the NFL. So I'm not completely against this expanded playoffs yet. The Packers who were a very low seed beat the Cowboys. That's true.
2: Weren't they the seven seed? in The NFC.
3: Yep. That was amazing. They played their way in. They played their way in, beat the Cowboys. So it's not really a bad thing for me yet, okay. but some of the teams that get on the AFC side, just the Steelers, cause they don't have a quarterback or it just seems that like the Dolphins last year had no quarterback. It's, they had four different quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason why the game seemed bad.
2: Right, not well,
3: the fact that it's a bad schedule.
2: Even the Dolphins this year, by the time they got to the playoffs, because of the number of injuries, they were not competitive. But you're right; they could have been the AFC East champions. They had earned that right to compete for that. They obviously lost to the Bills at the end and and forfeited the division title and fell to what the five seed? Were they the five seed or the
3: the f- four or five? Because they played the Chiefs.
2: Right, no, they wouldn't have been the four because they lost the division title. Yeah, but so they it would be five. Right, and and I know that that was not a real competitive game against Kansas City, but theirs was more about injuries. They had led the division most of the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm the jury's still out, but I do sometimes wonder if we've got too many NFL teams in there. And I'm not sure how I feel about the expanded college football playoff. 14 seems like a money grab to me. Why? Why are you expanding it to 14? You haven't even seen how 12 looks yet. Why are you talking about 14? Because more games equals more money. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a money grab. Forget what actually makes for compelling competition or that there aren't 14 teams that really should be competing for the the College Football National Championship. This season was probably one of the few real
3: balanced, you could say, seasons in College Football in a while. So I guess it's trending in the right way for a 12-team but we'll see 14 is pushing
1: I'm, it.
2: I'm skeptical I'm still I'm still gonna have to see it and not just one year but like over I don't know five years although it may not last that long we may get 14 before we've even gotten used to 12 uh, let's talk to Chuck who's in Massachusetts Chuck welcome to After Hours
1: hey Amy how are you I'm good thank you good uh events to have seen would mm-hmm. be D-Day
2: mm. except how would we have watched it you mean on the beach yourself
1: on the on the beach yourself but yeah. as a world war as a world war II reenactor i sort of see it.
2: Oh, that's neat. Where do you do that?
1: Uh, well, in your old neck of the woods of Massachusetts, we do things. We do things we in Kearney, Ohio, which is a complete World War II
2: D-Day reenactment. Oh, wow. That's yep. that's really neat. So you are able to so this is costumes and it's Props oh, and you, all no, that. We,
1: actually, we actually, you can call it costumes, but we actually wear original old oh, uniforms. Sorry, uniforms and yes. we, use, we use the original World War II weapons and everything else. We just use blanks.
2: Wow. Okay. That's really neat. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. I should have said uniforms. Not oh, not, at all,
1: not at all. Not at all. And uh, if you're interested in that stuff, you should try uh, the Reading Air Show the first weekend in June in Reading, Pennsylvania. Right? That's mm. down your sort of the woods now.
2: Yeah, I definitely love that type of military history. I know that uh, having gone to school in the Harrisburg area, love Gettysburg, love to see their history there, too. Uh, Pretty incredible. And even just um, when I went to Cuba, I've I've done four trips to Cuba, humanitarian trips, and to be on the... So they have it actually as uh, like these bunkers that are set up from uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And all of their descriptions are about how the Americans were attempting to invade and blah, 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 overthrow the regime. So theirs is a completely different perspective from ours. But they still do have the yeah. original bunkers. They've got the cannons. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible to see the history from their perspective, too. So yeah, that kind of stuff is is amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I was in, uh, in the Navy, and I was in Get Mouse, so I know what oh, you're wow. talking.
2: Yeah, okay, gotcha. Well, thank you so much for that. I'll have to keep those things in mind, Chuck.
1: No problem. You should also take the Band of Brothers tour if you're really interested in going over to Europe and seeing a lot of it, too.
2: Amazing. See, that's the kind of stuff that I could just take off a year if I were independently wealthy and just travel the world and see all these historical sites.
1: Oh, they're outstanding. Yeah. You have a great night, Amy. You be Thank safe. you.
2: Thank you. I'm not, of course, independently wealthy. I work in radio, and there's no chance of that. (laughs) All right, a lot of you weighing in about the historical event you wish you had witnessed in person or on TV. Uh, And, yeah, some of you are going sports, but really we're talking much bigger than sports. A lot of people are going back to tragedies, events that – really shook our nation and shaped our nation and just to be part of that in the moment, um, recognizing that we would never be the same as a country. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, a radio, and then our Facebook page too. No gif for this one, by the way. I had a really cool gif for the last, <laughs> the last question because Jay's usually in charge of this. Um, but since Ryan is doing our Twitter, I'm doing the Facebook, and I don't know. I decided to go Sans' gif for the historic event, <laughs> but but I hope you all liked the screaming child that I had uh, for the the post before that which is the toughest job in sports yep it'll make you want to act like a a child and throw a temper tantrum these toughest jobs in sports okay i swear we're gonna get to shohei otani learning spanish uh and also antonio pierce he feels like he knows how to stop patrick Mahomes. oh we heard this before (laughs) it's after hours with amy lawrence on cbs sports radio
1: you are listening to the after hours podcast
2: Thanks for hanging out with us as we morph our way from a Wednesday night into a Thursday morning. You may remember on Super Bowl Sunday, Popeye's fans watched the perfect pairing. It was a commercial, a Popeye's commercial during the championship, and it was an introduction of the lineup, the new lineup of crispy on the outside, juicy on the inside wings. Oh, that's not fair. I'm so hungry. Order any of the five delicious flavors today. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Just going through some of your answers from our question that we kind of stumbled on. This was not the question or even a question when we started the show now two and a half hours ago. And I honestly don't even remember why Ryan and I started talking about it in the first place. Historic events. Historic events. Where do we, you know me and my spaghetti plate brain. Actually, Bob and I had linguine with meatballs last night. So spaghetti and meatballs. And I was laughing because he was twirling some off of his plate. (laughs) And I thought, oh, there's my brain. That's my spaghetti plate brain. You pull one strand and a bunch of other strands come tumbling out. But how did we get onto historic events? Was it
3: Sosa McGuire?
2: No, well, that was one of them. That was one of them. Yeah, that wasn't it. I'll remember here in a second, or somebody will remind me. But, yeah, your answers are fascinating and are uh, for this history buff or a great walk down memory lane, although some of them are tragic, to be sure. But even tragedies and failures and disasters shaped our nation in some way or another or shaped us as Americans and as humans in one way or another. It's After Hours on our Facebook page or After Hours CBS on Twitter. Our phone number is toll-free, always 855 212 for CBS Shohei Otani indicates he is on track to be ready for the Dodgers opener in Korea South Korea uh, on March 20th and that's Dodgers and Padres well they're getting a little more coverage in spring training because they play eight days before the rest of the the uh, league and also because they have their opener on Thursday Shohei is not participating in the opener, uh, but he's all the rage right now in his Dodger blue. And one of his teammates, Teoscar Hernandez, was <laughs> was attempting to teach him Espanol. This is awesome. And also Yamamoto, who's part of the Dodgers lineup too. Uh, this is their first taste of Spanish, I think.
1: Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Dodgers. <laughs> si, buenos dias,
2: fanáticos. Fanatico? Si, fanatico. Those, Fans. Uh, fanatico, Fanatico? Fanaticos. That's so great. I love that. I love that he's got a sense of humor and that he really engages with his teammates. And for those of you who don't know, he does actually speak English really well. He just like many players who come from outside the United States or even who don't have English as their first language, they're not as comfortable in front of microphones because they don't want to say something that would then be translated incorrectly or say something that they meant to be one thing. And it's actually something else. And I understand that because as someone who speaks Spanish, I get nervous about doing it with other people who or, you know, Spanish or Espanol is their native language because I don't want to say something dumb. Even when they're friends, I get nervous, <laughs> and so I understand that. Uh, but to hear him say Buenos dias, fanaticos was pretty cool. And then I've decided this is my favorite nickname in baseball: Yama. Oh, that's awesome, Yama. Not Moto, but Yama. Would you rather be Yama or Moto? Mr. Moto? No, not Mr. Moto. That, what sounds, the mister? that cool. sounds old. It's like Mr. Magoo or Mr. Rogers, Mr. Moto. Uh, no. Would you rather be Yama? Yama! Or Moto?
3: Moto. It's easier.
2: <laughs> it's not easier. you Moto! They're both two syllables. How could it be easier? Because
3: Yama. It just sounds weird off the tongue.
2: Ryan. Ryan's my education into what it's like to be a 22-year-old and what it's like to have a 22-year-old mind.
3: Because when you go, when you go moto, you're like, what's up, moto? You go, what's up, yama? It doesn't sound right. Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) Even more so than Jay. So Jay is younger than me as well, but he's in his 30s now. Ryan puts the two of us to total shame because he is so much cooler than we are. Oh, that's, that's no. I like to ask Ryan questions because it gives me insight into how 22-year-olds think.
3: <laughs> his nickname should be Yoshi. Why? Yoshinobu. His but, first name.
2: Okay, but a lot of times men. Now, this women don't do this as much. A lot of times men use last names for nicknames, though. Like yes. For, I, don't, I don't know if you have a last name that's, that's a nickname. Chicks don't really do that. We don't call each other by their last names.
3: No, but... Uh, I get called Boach because my last name is Botcher, okay. but they took out the T's and they couldn't pronounce it anyway spell it, so they <laughs> just called me Boach, so I get called that, but if, it, if a person's first name is cool enough, you get this title, All right. and his name is Yoshi, like his nickname would be Yoshi.
2: Okay. Maybe it's, he likes Yama.
3: It's better than Moto.
2: Maybe among the dudes, he prefers to be one of the guys, because uh, as you can imagine, he's trying to fit in with this new clubhouse and... And uh, his first taste of Major League Baseball. So, let them call you whatever they want to call you.
3: (laughs) Smile and (laughs) nod. That's
2: right. Yama, 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 yama. That's fun. I like it. So, buenos dias, fanaticos. That's cool. We need more of that from Shohei Otani. I'm bummed that we won't get to see him pitch this year. But the idea of him adding to that Dodgers lineup. Wowzers. As in wowzers. And then eventually pitching for them. Goodness, uh, it's it's a total shift, too. As much as the Dodgers have had star power and have had great players for years, uh, pitching has been one of not always a weakness, necessarily, but certainly the relief and closer roles they've struggled with. I feel like closer has been the Achilles heel of the Dodgers uh, so many times as they've come close. And really, they w- they were seeing a void in pitching last year, a lot in large part because of injuries. So I wish he could pitch this year, but... We have that to look forward to in 2025. All right, let's see. Some of your answers on Facebook. This is amazing. The walk down memory lane. We stumbled on this, but we're talking about historical events we wish we had been alive to witness in person or on TV. And I said, for me, it's the moon landing in 1969. Just the idea of the entire nation watching, even more than a Super Bowl, you guys, even more than that, and all of us waiting I would say some trepidation, some fear, a little anxiety, but definitely FOMO. Nobody wanted to miss the moon landing when it actually happened. And I've listened to documentaries and watched documentaries on it. You had to stay awake or you had to set an alarm or something because it happened in the middle of the night after quite a delay once they actually got to the surface of the moon, which in and of itself was precarious uh, because of the, the whole fuel formula and how much gas they had and all that jazz. Anyway, a bunch of you uh, are weighing in on Facebook, and uh, these are really neat. And by really neat, I don't mean that I'm glad they happened. Again, understand me, just the walk down memory lane. David says, I'm a retired teacher who now drives Uber in San Francisco. That's got to be different. He says, after teaching 20 years history, I would choose the assassination of Abraham Lincoln or the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah, movies, documentaries have been made about these things, right? Uh, Shirley says, radio news during World War II. We would tune the radio into Gabriel Hatter, or Heater. Sorry. She said, dad would come to listen, not knowing where any of the locations were in Europe. She says, my son was born in July of 1969, in fact, July 18th. So I sat and held him during the long wait to watch each nail-biting step of the landing and the first steps on the moon. Good birthday. What? Yeah, that's cool. my birthday. Uh, no way. Your birthday is July 18th? It is. Not 1969. No. That's amazing. Wow. My brother's is July 14th. This will be easy for me to remember. Uh, this, this, these are cool. Uh, Richard says, the Browns winning the Super Bowl. Oh, wait. Now, see, you're just joking there. You're joshing us. Uh, Trent says, when Vince Lombardi was coaching the Packers. Right. So some of you are going sports. Uh, Lynn, being from downstate Illinois, one of the state's largest disasters, the Great Chicago Fire would have been just a horrendous sight of destruction to witness from afar. Mike goes with Martin Martin Luther King Jr.'s. My brain was ahead of my mouth. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. Oh yeah, I'm grateful that we have the video and, and audio footage to know, uh, but still, th- could you imagine seeing that in person? Let's see, another one, Sean says, for me it would be Martin Luther King Jr., especially his famous speech, it's my biggest ins- inspiration besides people in my family, appreciate that. Uh, Jeff goes way, way, way back with the building of the pyramids in Egypt. Mark the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> Darren thinks he's funny. He says, Amy Lawrence, her first ever broadcast. Oh, heavens. I'm so glad there are no taped recordings of that. I'm so glad that there is no evidence that it ever happened. It's like, hmm, what do people say about uh, the moon landing? It was fabricated in the studio. Yeah. There's no evidence that it ever actually happened. Oh, I'm so glad, too, because... I, I don't even rec- recognize that girl, who she was when she first got on the air. Whew. Let's see. Marshall says, the day JFK was assassinated, I was in elementary school. I remember everyone being so scared. We just didn't understand why and the horrific things going through our heads, the thought of war, Russians maybe wanting to attack us. We heard everything coming over the PA system from the news broadcast. Wow, that does definitely take you back. Uh, Scott says, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan in February 1964. I was only two- I have no memory of it. I do remember watching the moon landing. We were glued to the TV. Dang it. I wish I was older. Well, no, I don't wish I was older, but had I been older, that would be a perk. Let's see. Oh, I love this one from Tommy. I'm not even a big hockey fan, but the miracle on ice has to be a top five moment. I wish I could have witnessed. Yeah, Crazy enough. Because of where it was being played, it was not live here in the United States. They didn't care back then whether or not you saw Olympic events live or tape delayed. But at the same time, what I understand is that many people didn't know the results because we didn't have the Internet. So they couldn't look it up. So it may not have been played live. It was on tape delay, um, but it, it wasn't an event that would have been spoiled, right? So you watched it, and you still didn't know how it was going to end. Would you put Miracle in your top five? Could you imagine the Americans beat the Russians
3: in the middle of the Cold War? Very good. But I'd rather take the Berlin Wall.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, that was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Uh, Let's see. Marie, it gave us our freedom, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. The other one is when Moses parted the Red Sea. Oh, yeah, that would have been amazing. I wish we had photos of that. Uh, Jeff says the shuttle disaster. That was 1986. Uh, Also, Elvis Presley dying. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Mike says, this is funny. I remember watching the moon landing with my family downstairs sticking to the vinyl couch. (laughs) That's right. Vinyl seats were big back then, weren't they? He says, I was five. So in my mind, it was not cartoons, but still fun to watch it with my parents and five older siblings. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, Let's see. Darren says the Challenger explosion, and then the immaculate reception—the only time I saw my dad jump to his feet watching TV—and then also 9/11. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting to talk to people. Uh, I mentor a bunch of young women, and there are some who were not either old enough to remember it or weren't born when 9/11 happened. That's a generation ago, but it kind of blows me away because it's so imprinted on my brain. Uh, you obviously have no memory of it at all. Wow.
3: Less than two months old.
2: Mm. Do you ever, wow. Do you ever watch documentaries or have you have we, you seen used, them? To,
3: since we had school in New York, we used to, uh, each 9-11, we'd have like a remembrance class or kind of mm-hmm. where you used to watch documentaries and like accounts yeah. of the events that happened. Right, firsthand accounts. And we had like a field trip to the memorial when it opened up. So oh, good. that was a great experience.
2: Yeah, good. Interesting. See what I mean about talking to a 22-year-old? It's a completely different perspective, which I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Uh, One more, Chuck on Facebook. I'm from a very large military family, so history is huge in our storytelling. I wish I were alive to hear the actual radio broadcast regarding Pearl Harbor. And he says, as well, the original radio broadcast of the War of the Worlds by Orson Welles. So as a radio junkie, those are definitely broadcasts that I have gone back to listen to parts of them, right? So some of them are preserved, um, and, yeah, that is also this this kind of phenomenon in our history that I can't even imagine. Forget watching on TV. People are all crowded around a radio to hear the news or to hear the president address the nation after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's uh, it's a different time. But I'm telling you the history of radio and the immediacy and um, the, the fact that it's portable and that you have had so many historic events come through that little squawk box or your phone, whatever it is, uh, radio is so valuable in our nation's history. On Twitter, a law radio on our Facebook page, too. The historical event you wish you had seen in person, or uh, you wish that you had witnessed on TV. I appreciate those of you who are weighing in. What do I want to do next? Oh, I don't know that this will be history. Maybe some point people will look back on it. Nick Saban expanding a little bit on why he retired when he did and also what he wants to do now moving forward. And this was an interview he did with Reese Davis, but we pulled a couple clips because it's worth listening to.
1: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
2: The NFL Network is counting down the top 10 games of 2023 and number five is the AFC divisional game in Buffalo between the chiefs and the bills. And I'm thinking, wow, that's number five. I actually don't know the top four. Do you know them Ryan? Cause you said earlier. No all right. So I'm not sure if people can Google it and you can find out what the top four are, but if this was number five with the missed field goal at the end and the chiefs and, and what we know of the playoffs now with Patrick Mahomes and everything else, um, I'm thinking, okay, if I had to guess, Lions, Cowboys, or no?
3: I'd say that's one, the Super Bowl, of course.
2: Yes, over time. Hmm. If they're including playoffs, then of course it has to be the Super Bowl in there. I'm drawing a blank. That's hard, right? Because there's so many. Aren't they like 272 games or something like that? 282 games? That's a, who could remember all those? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. The. Big event, the moment in history you wish you had been alive to see, whether in person or on TV, if TV existed at the time. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Rich is in California. Rich, welcome to the show.
0: How about the 1989 World Series?
2: Was that the earthquake?
0: That was the earthquake series.
2: I I wasn't there, but I do remember watching the coverage of it on person or in uh, excuse me, just sitting in my uh, living room watching it in person on TV, um, and it was yeah it was pretty significant just uh, seeing not just the stadium and the damage, but recognizing uh, that there was something bigger than the World Series.
0: Yeah, it, it was, and I actually got a chance to live live through it, so it was amazing. Also. How quickly the Bay Area got back together and got a World Series finally done. It was kind of anticlimactic. I guess the A's swept, but uh,
2: wait, Rich, you were no, supposed was... to pick one that you hadn't seen, not one that you have seen.
0: Ah, uh, well, at my age, I've kind of seen a lot of them. <laughs> okay, but not everything. <laughs> not, not, not a lot. But yeah, I go back a ways. <laughs>
2: All right. So did hey, good, did I not miss oh, make the question clear?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's early in the morning, and uh, right, one got other you. thing. Good luck. Good luck with that, Aussie.
2: Oh, thank you. She's sweet. She's hanging in there, but I know that I'm. I need to make sure I take advantage of every little minute I have with her. So
0: keep I, her busy. Okay. Keep well, very she gets tired. <laughs> Well, learn about a Kong and a laser pointer. Oh gosh. <laughs> Keep them occupied for hours.
2: Oh, my sweet girl. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: Right, back at you. Bye-bye now.
2: <laughs> so he starts talking and I'm thinking, okay, he sounds a little older, but that's that's neither here nor there. Sometimes people don't sound like their actual ages. And then he says I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to live through it like hello that's not the point (laughs) that's really funny he had the right spirit he did have the right spirit about history you're going to be really happy about this tweet joe says not sure how many are going to answer this or even think of it but woodstock that
3: was thought of that
2: that was ryan's answer joe and he's 22 all those folks listening to the best music ever made in a setting and spirit of peace and harmony. Weren't there a lot of drugs there as well?
3: Drugs, death, uh, remains on the grass.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't know about peace and harmony, but maybe it was a... It Festive. W- I was going to say, it was the, the type of peace and harmony that was induced by by another substance. Uh, he says, I was alive for it, but only about six at the time and living nowhere near it happened. Uh, near where it happened. Excuse me. I don't think I have any desire to see Woodstock. Why did you want to see Woodstock?
3: The music one. Okay. But not even just the 1969 one. The 1999 oh, one. there you go. Might have been a good one, too. Mm.
2: I liked living through Y2K. I was actually at a concert in Nashville. It was Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and the exact moment that they struck midnight there in central time but people were already wondering what's going to happen well if 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 y2k is going to stop the world Well, then we got to go ahead and be in one place and enjoy ourselves and go to a concert. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. You don't remember Y2K, of course. No, it's so dumb to me now. It it is dumb now, but back then it was a real thing. People freaked out about Y2K. Like they were prepared for the end of the world. People were building bunkers like you'd not seen before. Sequestering themselves with six months of food. (gasps) You know what it sounds like? When people bought too much toilet paper at the start of the pandemic. yep Wipes and toilet paper. Right? History repeating itself. And water. Like bottles and bottles and bottles and cases of water. Yeah. Gosh, did we learn nothing from Y2K? Yes. Anyway, Cody says the Battle of Little Round Top took place within the larger Battle of Gettysburg. And if it would have gone differently... The Confederate Army may have marched unopposed into Washington, D.C. I I love these military answers. Donna says, I've been blessed to live so long I remember most of the events people are citing. (laughs) There is a blessing in that. My Grammy Helen was the same when she turned 100. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I, I appreciate this one from, I don't know if it's from Boston, but he says when you're talking about the Enola Gay, the name of the Smithsonian Museum was escaping you. It's the National Air and Space Museum. Oh, yeah, Udvar hazy I just love the name Udvar hazy That one's out near Dulles Airport. I've gone with my family a couple times. Uh, Let's see. Another tweet, Live Aid. Huh, also not one I thought of. Did you think of that? Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, another tweet, anything Babe Ruth, definitely the Apollo moon landing, and then the VE and VJ victory days. Could you imagine the euphoria? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.